everybody. You are listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. My name is Fernie. I am your resident psychic medium and spiritual teacher. And I would like to welcome you to this episode where we are going to be speaking to Stephen Kahn, who is an incredible uh, Vedic astrologer and just uh, overall well-rounded human being. So I want to welcome Stephen to the podcast. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Fernie. Thank you very much. That was very kind of you. Absolutely. So we met, well, we, I actually found out about you um, through your mom. So I was at a Christmas party and uh, for some neighbors and I ran into your mom at that party and we were just chatting and chatting and chatting. And then she mentioned you and I had been wanting to have a I, I wanted to have my chart done because I'd never, I'd never heard of Vedic astrology. I'd never, I'd never knew what a natal chart was. I didn't know any of that stuff, but I had heard about it just recently prior to that conversation with her. And uh, then she brought you up and said, "Yo, yeah, my son." Does, you know, and I was like, "Wow, oh my God, I want to," you know. So I was excited to talk to you. And uh, then we actually had a session, and you just, you know, blew me away because there was so much information that comes through in a session with you about the trends and patterns and what this part of my life is going to look like and what may show up at this point. So there was a lot of stuff that you kind of gave me to chew over. And uh, after that, I was like hooked. And you you were, you were actually the, you were the first uh, person who I went to. And then I had someone else who gave me a session uh, with another astrologer. And uh, honestly, like it's, I really enjoyed yours. <laughs> I enjoyed yours. Let's just say because I think I could relate to you more. And also, I think you covered some specifics that um, it wasn't just about the numbers or the stars or anything like that. There was way more in depth about it. So I really enjoyed your, your session. So what is Vedic astrology? Because a lot of people may not know what the heck that is. I mean, people open the, like they open the paper, right? And they see the astrology mm-hmm. um, component of a newspaper and they're like, oh, I'm a Taurus. And then they read whatever generalized statement it says. Right. What is Vedic astrology in comparison to that? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, well, first of all, I had a fantastic reading with you as well. I think yeah. it really uh, yeah, hit home for me too. I, I get a lot out of giving readings to people. It feels like it, it feeds my soul in a certain way. So, mm. And that was a particularly good one. I felt really good about that. But um, yeah, what makes Vedic astrology uh, unique and different um, from what we would call astrology or Western astrology, as we do in the West, is that, first of all, it comes primarily from the Indian culture, um, as in India, and it incorporates actually a lot of the aspects of Western astrology in it, as well as Persian astrology. Mm. And it kind of makes a conglomeration of all of these practices um, <clears throat> in order to get a little bit more of a full picture. There's uh, certain techniques that are used in Vedic astrology um, that are different from what we're familiar with in the West. So when we go to see a Western astrologer or when, you know, you check out the paper. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. There's um, so basically that all all astrology really does kind of stem from these ancient cultures at, at kind of the end of the last of the great flood. And uh, Vedic astrology comes from the Indus River Valley civilization, which is where we think of, um, you know, it's in Pakistan, northern Pakistan, mm-hmm. and it's basically 
the whole Indian subcontinent and that whole culture and how it evolved and grew and incorporated, you know, looking up at the sky and seeing the stars and seeing, you know, recognizing certain moving stars um, versus the stationary ones. And the moving stars turned out to be planets. And so they describe these planets differently in different ways as they experienced them psychologically and noted them over mm -hmm. time scientifically. Um, and, but it really does incorporate a lot of the same principles as Western astrology. There's a lot of um, exchange of ideas from ancient Mesopotamian civilizations, which is where Western astrology uh, started and how it kind of moved from ancient Sumer, which was really, um, they used it as a clock. They used the stars as a clock and um, to map out these 24 to 26,000 year cycles of time that we would call a great year. And then mm. um, it moved into Babylonian astrology where they got more into the signs and what they meant. And eventually it made its way through Hellenistic or Greek astrology. Um, and that's what we would commonly call Western astrology today is uh, that Mesopotamian oriented 12 sign zodiac astrology. But the Indians actually, oh, sorry. You, you, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the Indians actually created um, or took that 12 signs and incorporated it into their uh, zodiac as well. So it, it kind of, it's, it's very similar, but it, it uses it. There's a couple things that uh, delineate it from, from Western astrology. So it's kind of like a fusion of the different structured belief systems that they kind of brought together to create a system around. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, the Indian culture is very rich in, um, in truth, you know, they want to find mm. the truth and, and that Dharma is what they call it. And so they are, you know, it's a very scientific mindset that that's open to other cultures and other perspectives while at the same time, um, trying to refine and find that, that truth within all of these different practices. So yeah, there's, there's astrology that comes from China and, and Persia, or modern day Iran and, Egypt and um, Greece. And so all these techniques, you know, are swimming around the Indian subcontinent and exchanging ideas. So I, I, there is a lot of um, refinement in it and um, through these exchanges of cultural, cultural ideas and practices. Well, you know, I've been I've been doing readings and uh, sessions for people for I want to say almost a decade, a little over a decade, probably. And it's taken years for me to recognize patterns whenever I encounter energy. Um, because when you see someone or you read someone, there are certain traits, certain qualities in the energy that you're reading around them that tends to formulate or tends to bring together trends or patterns that would tend to be the case. And I can't, my mind is kind of blown when I think of how these ancient peoples had to, this probably took hundreds if not thousands of years to put together just to recognize and see all of the different patterns with the different traits and the different um, circumstances that incur, that occur in people's lives because of the the placement of the stars and the timing of someone's birth and um, all of that. So I'm, I'm, my, my, my thinking is it's take, it took so much time to put that together. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I think so, too. Um, you know, not only were these people studying it morning, noon, and night um, mm. with their spiritual practices in India, and, you know, they talk about how this information was given down from the rishis or the holy people, the... Mm. Uh, the people that were in the Himalayas meditating daily. 
and um, and how they would experience this and see it over and over and over again. And I'm sure that there, you know, it's very similar in the in the Greek culture and and in Babylonia. Um, um, you know, all these different civilizations where the different astrology astrological practices come from. But yeah, they it's been developing for about five to ten thousand years. So uh, a lot of a lot of thought, a lot of reflection and uh, experience, I'm sure, went into, you know, uh, creating this, what I call a science in the first place. Hmm. Were you always interested in uh, Vedic astrology or, or were you doing something else prior to this? And how did you become interested in this? You know, it's funny that you asked that. I start off, um, you know, I, I was an engineer in college. I was always very technically minded, a math person, not, mm. I mean, I, I liked writing and, you know, expressing myself creative, creatively through words, but math always seemed like it was more definitive. And so it was a little more natural to me in the beginning. And then I, um, as I've gotten older, and you can actually see this in, in my chart that I've been more attracted to the kind of metaphysical aspect of the world the mm. and and so i think that there's for me personally i i kind of came in as a big skeptic i was very unsure i was you know uh, oh this astrology bs i don't know and <laughs> <laughs> and so i uh but you know i was actually listening to and this is going to sound might sound funny but i was listening to a really famous channeler uh barbara marciniak who uh, channels a group of ent entities called the Pleiadians from uh, mm. the Pleiades. And so mm -hmm. I was listening to, I got really turned on by this, by this channeling. And, and after listening to a number of them, she started to mention, or the Pleiadians through Barbara Marciniak started to mention the fact that everyone needs a basic working understanding of astrology. It would be very useful to each of us, at least to have that, and um and i said oh really do i really have to like look at astrology i, I don't know you know and and so <laughs> i got i went online and you know i did one of those like 20 dollar printouts and i was like actually whoa there's some truth to this and then i i started going down the rabbit hole a little bit more one step at a time and eventually i uh one of my good friends michelle may um She's a tarot card reader, and she's in the band The Makeup, um, which is a DC band. But she told me, "Have you ever checked out Vedic astrology? You know, I think if you're interested in astrology, I think there's a little more, uh, you know, groundedness to it." And so I said, "Oh, all right, I'll check it out." And once I got my first Vedic reading, it blew me away. I was just a believer from then on. It, it, I have said, "Oh my God, I have to study this because it just hit all these different aspects of my personality." and my mm -hmm. life and just like to the core i was i was dumbfounded at how specific it was and how accurate it was for me so that really and then once you know once i got that kind of first inkling i i was in i was all into vedic astrology because i just really think it it's a little more pure it's a little more true to the core of astrology at least in this mm -hmm. day and age and i can expound well, upon that in a little bit if you want well, yeah, well, and that that actually is my next question because I, when when I'm doing a reading, I'm basing it off of my own 
mental processes, my own understanding, my own personal intuition. With Vedic astrology, I mean, it is a numbers game. You're kind of playing, you're, you're, you're utilizing a system that is established and it's kind of, um, it's a very black and white system in a way, but there's also a level of interpretation that goes along with that, which is, I guess, where you come in. Totally. Yeah, I think I, I agree completely. You know, there's, there's this Aries energy and Mars and Aries is, will act a certain way, but there's so many other things going on. You know, one of the things we get confused about in Western society or, you know, in that Western mentality, whether European or American, is that I am my sun sign. And that means that I am a cancer through and through. I'm compassionate. I'm open-hearted, blah, blah, blah. But, Mm -hmm. you know, where's my moon? Where's my Mercury? Where's Mars in the sky when I was born? Where are all these other planets? I like to say there in Vedic astrology, we use 10 different planetary indicators or 10 different indicators, including your ascendant to really show the diversity and of, of a personality and, and how we're all unique individuals that have a, a unique composition. And, and this really is reflected in the sky at the moment of our birth. How long did it take you to learn this system? Because it, I, by nature, am not a numbers person. So even just trying to do basic math, I, I get like, uh, my brain. How did you, how long did it take you to really understand and figure the system out? You know, it's, it's a lifelong process of learning. I think that's, that's one thing that every astrologer will tell you is that you, you just, there's so much data. There are so many different techniques. There's so many different opinions. And all, on top of that, all of the, you know, the logic and the details that go into it, that I think it's a lifelong practice, but I've been practicing for about five years now. And um, I would like to say that, you know, I'm definitely no longer a beginner, <laughs> because, <laughs> but it does take a, a number of years just to kind of warm up and to, to start to understand and for me, I personally am an obsessive type of researcher. I love to study. I love to learn. And so I just get me, you know, behind a book or a computer screen or whatever method of learning I can do. And, you know, I'm there. So it, it, it definitely takes a long time to really start to understand how everything works together and synthesize. But I think, you know, you can jump in and get a basic understanding within like a year maybe two years. Mm, mm. I, I've had many clients who, for example, my, my Indian clients who uh, they still practice the uh, tradition of arranged marriages. And in some instances, they will not enter into a, a marriage if the astrology doesn't look good. And they have to have it done prior to them entering into the relationship. Which is, I mean, I guess if you want to put it into practical terms, it's like, I'm not going to enter into someone into a marriage with someone if they've got bad credit, you know, if they've got bad credit <laughs> and their, their points are bad, I'm not going to go into that. So I can see this mm-hmm. in a very, I guess, spiritual or energetic way. It's like, oh, if you get with this person, this is going to create like this kind of scenario and you'll start to experience this. Um, right. How often do you utilize uh, the system of astrology to kind of figure out what you're going to do next or what something looks like, whether it's your interaction with a, another person or with uh, someone who you're going to be doing business with. How often do you actually tap and utilize the system? 
I, as much as possible, it, it mm. can get really complicated for me personally. I like to, I really like to, um, you know, it's really nice to have the backing of the stars in whatever mm. you do to find auspicious timing as we call it. Um, and there's an auspicious time to get married and an auspicious person to be married to for each of us. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can see that, I mean, just jumping into the relationship aspect of it, it's fascinating to see how much, um, the Indian astrology that the astrology that's unique to India has been focused around marriages and arranged marriages and, and making sure that your karmas are like you said, compatible enough so that you can, you know, you know where you're going to get along with this person and you know where it's going to be a little difficult. And so we all need to, you know, I think that there's definitely, um, in, it just depends, you know, in this day and age, it's with online dating and mm-hmm. everything so quick. Um, so spur <laughs> of the moment it can, it's, I think it's a good backstop. I think it's mm. definitely a good thing to check to just to, you know, uh, see what your compatibility looks like astrologically. I mean, and, and what we do is really, we look at the moon and we look at Venus and because the moon is the planet of connection, Venus mm. is the planet of relationships and mutual respect, mutual harmony. And so we really see like, okay, how am I really going to relate to that person? Can, can they hold space for me? Can I hold space for them? Are, am I expressing these qualities that are, I guess, uh, defined as masculine. And does that other person have the receptive qualities to match or, you know, or are we both, um, have, do we both have these strong masculine or feminine aspects to us as well as, you know, it goes way well beyond masculine and feminine, but that's just some of the ways that we look at relationships. But yeah, in terms of auspicious timing, it's, I think it's really useful. Um, I even, do a little uh, trading of uh, stocks and and whatnot and Bitcoin. And I like to place my trades actually around auspicious times. And I like to look at the charts of different things. And you can really just dive into any aspect that you're interested in, you know, maybe even the most auspicious time to, to put your seed in the dirt in your garden. Mm. So mm-hmm. there's all, or, you know, for there's just so many ways that it can be applied that I think it's kind of fun in a way just to experiment and to see the results and to write it down. And then on the other hand, to really like experience the benefits of it. Have you ever had an experience where you, you saw what it was looking like in the numbers and you were like, Oh, and then you went ahead and made a decision. And then you were like, I am so happy that I made the decision I made based off of what I was seeing. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, uh, that is, (laughs) especially when it comes to trading, like I said, when it comes to, you know, your finances and everything, you, Mm -hmm. you really feel the benefit or the detriment of your actions. And, um, and I can definitely tell when I've, you know, planned something out. It's, it's just like anything. If you do the prep work, if you think about it, if you make, make a plan, it's more likely to follow through than, than if it's, you know, you can still get married at an auspicious time. You can still get, you know, be with someone that's difficult, that has difficult, you know, what we'd call kuta scores or, um, which is the compatibility scores, but, and, and you can understand through talking to an astrologer or whatnot, 
how to deal with that or just experiencing it. You know, it's like, okay, my wife doesn't like it when I do this. So there, my Mm -hmm. husband doesn't like it when I do that. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely helps. It helps a lot. And I've noticed it big time, big time. And my clients have too. They've, well, it's pretty special too. I mean, on the other hand, nothing is an exact science, you know, or there's so many factors that you have to be careful and you have to be cautious and, and look at things very deeply. And, Mm -hmm. and, and also I don't personally like to be responsible for or tie my karma too much into my clients. So I don't like to give too many predictions as much as probabilities Mm. and then um, let the people decide what they want to do. Cause ultimately we have to make our own decisions and, and, I find that actually some of my clients come back to me just to affirm that what they're feeling is what's going on in the sky. And it just, they say, yep, that's what I'm feeling. I'm glad I'm on the right track. You know, it's, so I have all sorts of different experiences with different people who have um, different desires around, you know, predicting the future, understanding, you know, compatibility and all the issues. I think I, I 100% agree with that. And coming from my field, it, it's so important when, because I deal with a lot of clients who've been to psychics or mediums and um, specifically psychics who the psychic tells them what to do. And obviously they base their decision process, making process on what that psychic said mm-hmm. and they do it. And if it didn't go well, you know, that responsibility, they automatically place it on the psychic. And what I try to do with my clients is I'm like, look, (laughs) I'm here to tell you what I sense, not to tell you what to do. Like you're responsible for your own life. You have to make the decisions that you are comfortable with. I'm giving you an energetic forecast of what's to come, the probabilities of what's to come, what's likely to occur, but you can change things if you want to. And I think people have this, uh, this perception that something is set in stone or that they don't have a choice that they are forced or have to go with what their chart says or with what I'm predicting or I'm sensing. I'm like, no, like I'm here to just give you what I'm sensing, not to tell you what to do. And, and I agree with you. I think a lot of my clients who come to me, they want affirmation for what they're already feeling, which I'm happy to provide if I can um, and say, well, yeah, I'm kind of seeing this or, you know, "Mm, I'm not really seeing, you know, that happening for you, but you know, that doesn't mean you should stop, keep moving in that direction, but you might need to Mm -hmm. get a little stronger in that intent. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. And it's, it's very good. You know, it's very wise on your part not to mix your karma in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of the stock market, because we've got everything up in an uproar right now, we've got COVID-19 and that's kind of thrown everything into a, a synchronistic chaos. Um, (laughs) What have you been noticing or what patterns have you been, you know, gauging from, from the science there about the, the the first of all about the stock market because we were just talking about that and then we can jump over to covid sure yeah well basically what i'm really seeing it's it's pretty clear astrologically is that um what happened recently is that pluto saturn jupiter and mars all went into capricorn Mm. and what that means is basically capricorn is is the sign it's the most I would say it's probably the most rational uh, security oriented sign. It Capricorn deals with our ability to stay safe and to protect ourselves and the things that we love for a very long period of time through mm. careful planning and um, 
and very rational thinking. It's a very tactile, rational, realistic oriented sign. So all, and that being said, what we do in astrology is we say, okay, this planet is moving through this sign, therefore it's projecting or it's almost acting as a lens for the energy of that section of the sky where Capricorn is. It's not just the stars of Capricorn, but it's all of the energy, all of whatever is around it. You know, there's mm -hmm. distant stars we don't see, there's above and below the sign of Capricorn, but it's really coming through there and the planet is acting as a lens because it's so close to us. It's this gigantic object that is really close to earth compared to anything else in the freaking universe. Right. I mean, the nearest, uh, solar system is light years and light years away. Mm -hmm. Whereas these planets are right next to us. They're in our, our group, our, our neighborhood. And so when, what that shows is that this energy of Capricorn is kind of getting projected through Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter. And it was through Mars at the start of this whole thing. And basically, I can tell you, Pluto is more of a Western astrology planet. We don't really use it too often in Vedic astrology, but that's one of the areas that I find fascinating and useful and interesting. You know, it, it exists, it's there, I'm interested in studying it. So from a Western perspective, they'd say that Pluto kind of acts like Hades, it's the undertaker. It's almost mm -hmm. like this Phoenix-like energy for our ego, where our ego kind of gets crushed and destroyed and brought down, and then we uh, kind of rebuild ourselves from the ashes. We rise up. And so Pluto coming into Capricorn will say, okay, I'm going to crush you financially. I'm going to crush you in all these logistical, or in all these very rational and practical things. If you haven't been doing them, you're going to go through a little evolution. Your ego is going to take a shot. It's going to be painful, you know, whenever the ego gets hurt, it's, you know, we really identify with the ego. It's hard not to. And so it feels like, oh my God, I'm getting crushed by this. And now I need to like rebuild, rebuild, come back up out of the ashes and grow. Mm. So Pluto's there. Saturn has a similar energy and it's a little different. Um, we say that Saturn rules Capricorn. So it has that practicality and the seriousness. Um, but yeah, Saturn is about our commitments, and making things last a long time. So it also deals with our nervous system in the body. And so when we don't take care of our, um, you know, ourself mentally, we get nervous, we get anxious when, when Saturn comes around. So if we're not paying attention to um, where our money is, perhaps, or our assets, or these things that are really tactical things that, that like support our lives um, very firmly, if our actions aren't clear and concise and, and logical, if we're not committing to a long-term course of action that's going to provide stability in our lives, then Saturn will make us pay the price in Capricorn. So it's kind of like all of these things. Jupiter, on the other hand, will be expansive. And Jupiter is the planet of expansion, hope, meaning, and inspiration. In a way, it, it kind of gets us to see you know, rise beyond the, out of the mundane and see the bigger picture of what's happening. So there's, there's all this insight happening now too, where we're like, oh, wow, maybe I should turn to like the most practical teachers that can teach me the most logical things. Um, mm. so I can be pragmatic and realistic and, uh, revise, you know, what I was doing before and recommit to things that are going to really give me a sense of security in the long term. And so all these, these energies, 
are all together and they're very slow planets. Jupiter is going to be in Capricorn for the next year, Saturn two and a half years mm. and Pluto 19 years. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and believe it or not, the last time Pluto <clears throat> entered Capricorn was, uh, when we entered the American revolution. Oh. So there's, yeah. So there's a lot of revolutionary. Okay. So there's, I mean, I don't mean to be a doomsdayer as, as much as I can be, but uh, I, I really want to, I think people should know that it's about recommitting to a sense of security. Mm-hmm. And that means financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, so it's really, you know, Capricorn's asking us to, to really commit to the things that are going to make us feel safe in the long term. And, what, and that is happening for everybody around the world. So right now, all of these systems that were kind of teetering on hope and confidence rather than actual, you know, stability, like the stock market, for instance, is pretty much disconnected from the economy right now. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're trying to figure out, well, what's real, what's not, what, like, you know, I want to have savings. I want to have security in the long term, but all of this stuff is getting uplifted. Maybe the dollar isn't the most safe thing. Maybe Bitcoin is, maybe gold is, but it's, you know, it's different for every person and the lessons that they're going through and what they're learning. But I think there's, um, there's a lot of that kind of pressure Saturn equals pressure. So a lot of pressure and stress being put on us right now just to, to do the right thing, to, mm. to make it last a long time. It's and, interesting you bring up, well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in, in terms of COVID, I think that's the physical manifestation, right? This, if you've been working on your health and you've been, you know, your vitality, if you're eating well, if you're taking care of yourself, it's, you're probably going to be okay. But you know, if, if, it's difficult because it, you know, obviously people don't have a choice um, about how they're going to contract a disease or pre-existing mm-hmm. conditions. There's so many X factors, and it's and we have to be very compassionate and serious and rational about what actions we're taking. So all these, you know, lockdowns and everything, Saturn and Capricorn in general have to do with boundaries, and so imposing these boundaries in order to keep us safe and keep and protect the elderly Saturn also has to do with the elderly and, Mm. you know, people that have lasted a long time physically. So, you know, are they committing to the practices that have kept them, you know, alive this amount of time and, and how, how much has been serious, real, um, physical vitality and how much has been pharmaceutical vitality? You know, it's, Mm. it's about like getting real and, and getting down to, you know, nature and, and what the laws are trying to teach us and, and respecting them. Hmm. Well, and I, I, that makes sense. Some, it makes a lot of sense to me because since late last year, I want to say, I think starting in October, I began switching over to a predominantly vegan lifestyle. And even though I still eat, you know, dairy and meat from time to time, it's nowhere nearly the level that I was engaged in last year. And it, became this sudden like push to just do it, do it, do it. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I mean, I've been a vegan before, so it wasn't like I didn't know what to do, but 
it, it just felt like I needed to do it. And I didn't really understand the reasonings for it other than just, and besides the pain that I was feeling when I would consume and, uh, you know, consume flesh essentially in animal, um, bodies, uh, I, I felt the pain from that energy. I just felt the energetic mm. pain from that. And so it was becoming too overwhelming where I just felt like I had to start weaning off of that and getting away from it because it, it was, it's like a drug when you start to consume a lot of those things. And mm-hmm. this year, I think I'm at my healthiest since I, and that I've been maybe in 12 years. I mean, it's been years since I've been this healthy. So that's fantastic. I can totally, yeah. So I'm like, okay, well maybe, you know, he is like it's the re- that reexamining of our health and our wellness. And, you know, I was already doing that in a gradual way, but this whole thing has kicked up people's attention for those mm-hmm. of the people, for those people who take it seriously or are taking it as something to be considered, they're needing to take care of themselves or, or focus on their health and well-being. And it sounds like there's a trend where we're being forced to re-examine how we're taking care of ourselves and what we're used to being, what we're used to doing that we're so kind of caught up and comfortable with. Yes, I agree completely. I think, yeah, I think there, it's been, the difference now is that, you know, last year while these planets were in Sagittarius, where we're, Sagittarius is more of this hopeful, inspired sign that Mm -hmm. kind of gets us to be like, I know what the right thing to do is, and I'm gonna go do it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it kind of is in that idea land, that expansive, like, I'm gonna do the right thing kind of zone, Mm -hmm. or or I'm going to really kind of practice what I preach. And then to come into set to Capricorn, you know, we get that inspiration, the natural kind of evolution of the Zodiac Capricorn comes after Sagittarius because Capricorn is where we put those principles and those beliefs into action. And so it's like, if, if you were doing it beforehand, good, good on you, you know, you're going to be okay when it goes there, you're going to be strong, you're going to be healthy, even when there might be toxins in your environment. You know, mm. and that's what, that's what it says is that basically it's, you know, it's go time in terms of really taking care of yourself. And if, and the people who have started early are seeing the benefits already, you know, you're not getting sick as much. You're not, you know, you're, you're starting to see it in, in your body and your vitality and all these different ways that we experience health and wellness. Hmm. So speaking of the market and going back, looping back around to that. Um, so last year. I had a few clients who did trading as well. They were doing day trading. Um, And some of them, I kept seeing them getting way more invested and involved in Bitcoin, which is interesting because I was looking into that myself a couple of years ago. And then I got a financial advisor and he's like, don't do it. You know, let me handle this. I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) And of course, (laughs) um, some of those decisions didn't pan out well. But um, so I got out of the Bitcoin stuff. And uh, but I saw these uh, clients who were, getting more involved in that. And I said, you know, I, I see you going more into Bitcoin. They're like, what? I don't really have an interest. I'm like, I don't know why. I just see you going more into Bitcoin. I feel like it's going to really take, it's going to, it's going to experience some sort of a pop or there's going to be some sort of like a resurgence of it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And ever since all of this started up with COVID and then seeing the market kind of going down and, and crashing here, um, I've been seeing this pattern where a major like organization or major government is going to switch over to some sort of a point system that would utilize a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. And once they backed it, it was essentially going to set the stage for other countries to join in on that in some sort of a collaborative agreement that this is how it would be handled because of this one you know, which I'm, I'm thinking it'll probably be someone like China or, um, or one of the, one of the, um, 
one of the Eastern countries. So what, what, what has the charts, what do they say about like Bitcoin and like the trends of the market for the, like the next year? Well, I'll tell you what I can see is that it's the same issue. It's this Capricorn Saturn energy. And so that's going to be two and a half years of Saturn and Capricorn. It leaves, it leaves around May of 2022. Mm -hmm. So two years from now, basically we have to enjoy this transit. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And so what that really shows Saturn oftentimes shows the end of a commitment and the beginning of a new one. So we've had this commitment to fiat, to, uh, you know, to printed currency, dollars, mm-hmm. yuan, or whatever, rubles. And that that scene, that that commitment, this if if Capricorn is this financial energy is kind of coming to an end. And then the re- kind of the beginning of the new cycle is starting this 28 year around the zodiac cycle. So we can see that, you know, there's a lot of shakeups happening, you know, and, and if Saturn is coming in and putting pressure on things and, you know, if, if it's a weak system, it'll crumble, which is what we're basically seeing with this mm-hmm. um, unlimited money printing um, or c- currency printing by uh, the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's showing that the system's really weak and it's time for a change. And, and these... Um, the blockchain technology is such a powerful technology that's taken off and, and um, it's allowed us to kind of have a different option or a new idea around how to deal with currency and, and money and how to have maybe sound money or uh, centralized or decentralized money. There's different ways to look at it. But um, I do see that you know, Saturn's showing the shakeup. It's kind of putting the pressure on on fiat dollars, um, confidence-based money, and saying, oh, no, you got to get real with this. You got to make it founded, you know, a foundational principle. You have to have some sort of deep foundation behind your economic system or your money system. Like we used mm-hmm. to be on the gold standard here in the U.S. for a long time, and we officially went totally off of that in 1971. And what gold did was gold was that ultimate money back in the day that stabilized the entire world. It didn't let Mm -hmm. countries do too much deficit spending and it let their finances get out of control and, um, and have to have these mega crashes. It was more stable. It was, we'd have the ups and the downs, but they'd be there. Whereas we have these super bubbles nowadays because we've, we've kind of thrown away the practical aspect of, of our currency or the practical tethering of it to something that's real, you know, to something that's fine. And so I think these cryptocurrencies allow for uh, something that's relatively finite, relatively tangible, even though it's in the digital world, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, with uh, distributed ledger technology and everything, I think that people are able to, um, or the governments are looking to switch over to something because they got to, they got to go through this Pluto revolution. They got to go through this Saturn pressure to, or they're getting the pressure of Saturn, which is destroying what they hold dear, you know, this currency. And it's showing that we need, we need something stable in, in order to trade 
you know, effectively and not rob people or, you know, and, and it also goes the other way. If, if, you know, if they centralize it enough, they can use it to control us a little bit more. And that's, that's uh, something that we should really be aware of. Well, I would think that they, there could be some sort of system set up where it's kind of like, I mean, we have systems of government all around the world. And, you know, it's like when you think of like the UN, which is this idea or concept that there's a collaborative in play, and they're kind of working with each other, and they're keeping each other in check as well. I would say that shouldn't there be like a system of currency or points based in every country where they're kind of they check each other. So essentially, there's the agreement that currency will be established by a certain measure. And let's say, for example, China comes up and they're like, we're going to use this, you know, and if the UK signs on or, you know, if, if uh, one of the uh, European countries signs on, then they would say, okay, well, we'll use this system, but we are going to check it by our system. And we have this agreement in place. It's almost like a, uh, a, a, legal binding contract that this is how the system will be maintained and used. And so if something goes awry in the Chinese currency system, it can be checked by this additional system outside of that um, government. And then if you have all these different governments signed on with it and still using that same methodology, if something goes wrong in one country where something has been, you know, a, messed with or mm-hmm. um, changed uh, artificially, then the other systems basically will have, it has to check against those other systems. And if it doesn't, then that's where the issue is. And then that's where it needs to be addressed. And so I would think that there would be some some sort of check and balance system set up where all the different governments around the world can essentially back up that point system or that kind of currency system because they're using each other to check and keep each other in check with the way that the currencies are being managed. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice. I, uh, it would, and that was what gold served as originally, mm. um, you know, as, as every country had reserves of gold and, you know, they had a certain amount of that fixed tangible wealth that they could call upon or if they needed, um, and currencies are backed by it, but it's, um, yeah, it would be, it would be very nice if that, if that could work, you know, they say, uh, blockchain could be used to free the entire world or enslave the entire world. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, what policies are going to be put into place in order to, you know, facilitate the trade. And, um, and definitely as we get into this more and more and more globalist society or, you know, we're, we're so global and we're, we're connecting with people all over the world. Like, especially people like us who are doing readings for people in different countries and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's um, it'll be really interesting. And I think it could open a lot of, you know, fantastic gateways to be able to uh, more easily facilitate the, you know, transfer of wealth. And, but at the same time, it's it, we have to keep our governments in check. We have to make sure that they're doing it in our best interests too. So I, I, uh, I have a little bit of reservation with regards to a, a one global currency, but I think that it would also, uh, you know, it could be a really beautiful thing. Mm. So what is the, what, what, uh, uh, does Donald Trump have his own planet or is there, is there, <laughs> like, is there a planetary like body or, um, I'll I mean, Mars, I would say or Mars. <laughs> he, is, he is an astronaut, astrological phenomenon. That's for sure. Huh. Um, and wh- what do you mean by that? Say, explain. So, so, if you look at his chart, mm-hmm. I think he was born on the exact day of 
uh, a lunar eclipse. So mm-hmm. eclipses are huge events in astrology. Mm-hmm. And what creates an eclipse is basically the difference in the plane of the moon's orbit and the plane of the Earth's orbit. So the Earth orbits around the sun, as well as all the other planets in one single plane, one flat plane. And then the moon orbits the Earth in a plane, in a circle or an ellipse, really, uh, elliptical orbit, that is at a slight angle to that ellipt- ecliptic plane is what we call the Earth's orbit around the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that does is whenever the moon comes into alignment with the Earth's orbit, there's two little points where it does, one where it goes kind of above the plane and one where it goes below. And if those two lunar points are called the the nodes of the moon, the north node and the south node. And they're known to really be all about our future in the north node and what kind of, it's like a portal. It's almost like Mm -hmm. pushing us forward and where it is in your chart shows what you're kind of obsessed with, but you're a little blinded by it at the same time. Whereas the south node is the opposite. It's actually the part that represents your past or your past lives. And it shows where you've kind of developed a very strong understanding and experience of what that energy is, maybe what that sign's energy is, or the house in which that that sign uh, occupy and everything. So when Donald Trump was born, he had the sun conjunct that north node of obsession. So, and the sun is what we call, the sun's really our sense of empowerment and our individual empowerment or our sense of power. Mm-hmm. And so when it's conjunct the North Node, that that obsessive, blind obsession, it show and it's in his tenth house on top of all that, which is the house of um, our career, our duties. Um, we call it the karma bhava, the action house in Vedic astrology. And so what that shows is that he's kind of obsessed with work. He's obsessed with his sense of power or empowerment and his feeling of power. And he's really confused about it. <laughs> so mm. he, he almost doesn't understand the true nature of empowerment as being, we like to look at planets in Vedic astrology as very evolutionary principles. So the sun goes from, I have power over you. I'm strong. I can beat you up or whatever. I'm <laughs> um, all the way to, I'm so empowered because This is my unique creative identity. This is my Mm. gift to the world. And look at all those other people out there, all the other shining stars in the galaxy. Wow. They all have their own individual gifts that they give back to the whole. And that's beautiful and and a really evolved sense of of empowerment. Whereas the devolved sense is kind of what we see in our present, where he wants to have power over other people. He wants to have authority over other people to the point in which you know, he's talking about the government taking power over corporations and, um, you know, and other things that are very scary like that. Whereas on the other hand, his, his, on the other side of the Zodiac, when he was born on the other side of the earth were his moon and his South node. So the moon and so the moon set, like I said before, kind of represents our sense of compassion and our ability to connect to others, our ability to feel for others, and and very it's our very emotional side. It's kind of our emotional mind, you could say. Mm-hmm. 
And to be joined with this south node, it means that he had to focus on his emotions, his feelings, and his internal life when he was younger. And it was kind of irky, you know, it's, it's a little uh, irksome to, to deal with the same thing over and over again, and his feelings and his feelings were um, turbulent, because it was in the sign of Scorpio. So where the moon has a very difficult time in general. So, you know, in Scorpio, we deal with our insecurities, our sense of kind of paranoia, or ability to protect ourselves and our feeling of the need to protect ourselves from the inside. Mm-hmm. And so when when the president has his moon in this very unstable, insecure, paranoid sign with this past life energy and childhood energy kind of putting this pressure on him or or kind of getting him to fix all the little details and fix all his his faults there it it makes him not want to deal with his emotions not want to think about his feelings because he had to do it as a kid and he didn't want to doesn't mm. want to do it anymore so he really wants to focus on this his power and growing his power and expanding it as much as possible and so you can really see that in <laughs> i i think i can personally see these qualities in him i think oh, you, can people- see it. <laughs> you can see it like whether whether you're you know whether you're not a fan of trump or you are like i mean you have to recognize that he is he's in a mindset of domination wanting to dominate and i mean that's yeah. the whole mo it's like let's dominate exactly. this let's dominate this to be the first let's be the t- number one so let's no Trump i think it. you can see it <laughs> yeah <it's> tr- yeah <laughs> exactly well and and with the with the virus is there like a virus planet or is there a planet of well actually let me back backtrack that what do this what are what is what is the um astrological trend for his position of power at this time is he going to get know, elected again, or what does that look like? You know, I haven't really looked into it personally. What? I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> have. Yeah, you know, I I haven't looked into. Yeah, with regards to the re-election, I definitely looked into it. You know, in the last election cycle, mm. with regards to you know Hillary versus Trump and everything, yeah. um, and it didn't it didn't look too great then. But, um, mm. and you know, I'm almost a little scared to look at it this time. Yeah. Just from what else is happening in the world. It's, it's definitely, uh, now that you mentioned that it's on my radar and I'll check that out, but I haven't yeah. looked into it yet. Hmm. So with the virus, is there like a planet that represents illness or virus or is, you know, what can, what do, what, what do the stars say about this COVID-19 scenario? Sure. I think that really goes back to Saturn. Um, if in So in Vedic astrology, we typically, we only work with the inner planets for the most part. I mean, I mm. consider myself, like I said before, I like to be holistic. I like to look at the outer planets and see what they're doing, what they represent. I haven't looked into the asteroids and all the kind of mini planets that are now recently being discovered. Um, but um, with regards to health and wellness and sickness, Saturn tends to be the planet because Saturn, um, first of all, it rep- it's um, shown in our nervous system and it's very, mm-hmm. you know, our nervous system when it's defeated and down is much more susceptible to allowing diseases to be, uh, to grow and be prevalent in our, in our bodies. Saturn is that uber rational and practical planet 
that um, wants to teach you the real tangible lessons of life. So it's it definitely deals with the physical body as well as uh, beyond the nervous system. So when Saturn comes in, and my teacher likes to say when Saturn comes around the chart, it's like an elephant going around and sitting on a different area of your life or hmm. a different you know, uh, energy with that specific energy. And so when Saturn is now coming into this, um, the sign of Capricorn, which is, you know, a Capricorn on a very evolved level is, is kind of getting us into the preparation mindset and into the long-term planner mindset. So it shows that, you know, if we haven't been planning you know, if we haven't been working on our health for for a little while now, then we'll be paying the consequences. So you see, like with the virus, most of the people that are that are getting injured and unfortunately passing away are are people that have had pre existing conditions and people that are already kind of uh, that haven't necessarily been the most healthy people. Um, mm. So it kind of shows it shows that in that regard. It it definitely can show that for any age range though. You don't have to be in your nineties to not take care of yourself. And mm. I think that it's just a sign. It's, it's putting the pressure on you. It's making you nervous if you're not taking care of your health right now. You know, there's signs, there's real signs like the papers and just the whole public, you know, societal images, like, you know, let's do what makes sense. And, you know, we got to put up the physical barriers, wear the masks, you know, if that's mm -hmm. what, you know, helps us to contain it or to protect ourselves and others, you know, we got to put ourselves in isolation and, and really Saturn shows that the boundaries and the walls around us. So it wants us to be isolated. It wants us to be serious and practical and, and um, in order to really just find a sense of peace, in the end of the day because when we have when we've taken care of all of our responsibilities which is saturn's goal to teach us then what we can do is relax and even when that elephant comes around and tries to smash our fort we've built that fort out of concrete and steel mm -hmm. rather than toothpicks and paper you know and cards and i think that's kind of you know a symbol for or a metaphor for our bodies you know is your body made out of you know, type 1A construction, which is, I, that's an engineering term for, you know, steel, steel buildings, basically construction, stuff that's not going to burn, stuff that's not going to come down very easily. Mm -hmm. Or is it built of, or have you made a house of cards based on, I don't know, like, or house of carbs, you could say, I guess, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> mm. So, so have we hit peak with the virus then, or is there like another period where we'll see more of this trend? You know, there's, I can't, I can't necessarily like predict that for sure or anything, but there's always what, what's happening right now is that we just had Saturn enter retrograde or so Saturn from our perspective looks like it's starting to move backwards in the sky. And mm. what that does is it turns these physical things, these physical ailments or that, that elephant that's in our physical world crushing us with the realities of life is going to go internal and become mm. more of a mental, uh, psychological crushing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. sorry for laughing. I, I have a strong, yeah, uh, Saturn is, is, is a strong planet and 
I have to, if I'm don't laugh, I'm going to cry. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, so it, it really shows that this is a period of time. The next, let's see, Saturn is going to be retrograde until early September. So until Mm. early September and Jupiter is going to back out of Capricorn two and go back into Sagittarius around, uh, June. So that's going to, I would think that it's going to wane a little bit right now, but then it'll come back with a vengeance. Um, not necessarily, but I think, you know, at least in terms of the, the things that are happening to us, this, this goes for our financial system, our physical health, the virus, you know, all of these, these real things um, that once that kind of starts to go prograde again or back forward, we'll, well, it's like your second chance. It's like, okay, did you take care of yourself? I know you were worried the last mm. few months. You were anxious and nervous about getting in good shape and eating well and, and doing whatever you need to do with your finances. Did you do that? Because now it's your, it's coming back again. That's how I kind of mm. look at it. So it's and good when, to, sorry. It was to say, and when does it come back again? Oh, it starts its prograde motion in, um, let's see, right at the beginning of October. Mm, so Basically, like, okay, got se- it. Yeah, September 29th. So right got at the end it. of September, beginning of October is where it starts to get real again. And then mm. Jupiter will enter Capricorn a few weeks at, at around November, late November, 24th, Thanksgiving time. And so that's going to bring a little bit more of awareness and expanded perspective of things it's going to be like oh the last few months since saturn went prograde was i i i know i was doing the right things i know i was doing the wrong things whatever way it is for you you know we that's where we have choice you know it's it's like there's always there's these indicators that say that there's going to be this pressure in this aspect of our life and that's what i see as an astrologer but i don't see what people are going to do about it because that's up to every individual and I'm sure that there's a million iterations of, of how to deal with this type of pressure and scenario. So I would say, so, so just by gauging that, because I mean, I've had my own, uh, my own, uh, perception of what's going on and everything. And I've actually been telling people that once we get into May, once we get May, this would continue on. And then once we get to the end of May going into June, there's a shift that's starting to happen. So something's shifting, something's changing. And that doesn't mean that something stops in June. It just kind of comes up and it's there. And then something's shifting away from this. And then I was telling, I've been telling clients, I'm like around July or on August, that's when you start to see people getting back into what I would call the new normal, where they're kind of getting back into a mental place or, or a mindset that, they, this is this is done, and so I see more people traveling, more people doing stuff around July and August. So what mm-hmm. you're describing about you know there's a waning that tends to come up or tends to show up around June seems to kind of match what I've been sensing as far as you know just perceptively. Um, and I have mentioned to, to clients or people that there is going to be another freakout period at the end of this year. But I mm-hmm. thought or I felt that it would be because there would be some cases, not nowhere near the level of what we're seeing now, but some cases at the end of the year. But there was also going to be a lot of flu. And because of this, people were going to 
start to freak out again and the companies and organizations and it's almost going to be like a, a like a second period of like oh crap it's starting again except i didn't yeah. feel it was going to be as intense but i can see this all starting up again not necessarily the virus part i don't know if that's going to be as intense but i can see companies and businesses and you know people starting to lock down again out of fear or out of trauma from the first experience and that being our second chance so okay y'all just went through this in april mm-hmm. may and june what you gonna do now once we get into october november when stuff starts coming up again that is going to bring up this whole trauma exactly i i think that's pretty spot on and now i'm looking at i'm looking at this chart right now and or the transits as we call them where the planets are moving throughout time and in my software and i see that mars is actually going to be in pisces um when is that it enters in around the end of june and it's going to be in pisces until mid-august so that's around and pisces is um the sign that actually kind of deals with travel Huh. Uh, foreign places, foreign lands, mm-hmm. um, getting out into isolation or or just kind of, it might even be mental travel, psychic travel, you know, um, yeah. other dimensional travel. Maybe dreams will be more intense and perceive, perceivable than whatnot for people. But Mars is this planet of action and fire and doing something. So when Mars comes into Pisces, it will kind of push us into this traveling state of mind, this like, I got to get out of here. I want to experience something new, something different. I want to trip out or whatever ways that people (laughs) like to do it. So I, I could definitely see what you're saying in the stars for sure. So before we wrap, I wanted to ask you about a weird, (laughs) I guess I could call it a phenomenon because I don't know what to make of it from my perspective, but maybe you do since you, you know, this, this is what, I mean, you look at the stars, you, this is what you study. So on, so I've been doing channeling work for several years now, for a few years now. And in this past, this year, actually it's become even more intense and, um, to the point where now I'm doing uh, channeling sessions for clients and I'm doing that kind of stuff. It's not something that I'm still comfortable with, but I'm doing it nonetheless. And on Easter, interestingly enough, on Easter, I went outside and I looked at the sky and I saw Venus. I think that's, yeah, Venus. And it's, it was, mm-hmm. it was on the, uh, on mm-hmm. the, uh, Yes, in the evening, exactly. And it was so beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, it's how beautiful. And I took the camera out there, I started taking pictures, and I was capturing images and pictures of Venus. And I also began to feel um my, you know, Aja coming through and, and was like, you need to, you need to write. Because for the last year or two, actually for the last couple of years, I've been having a lot of moments of contact from Aja speaking about Yeshua, which most people would know Yeshua as Jesus, which is the character or the historical character is, is known as Jesus. And when I was out there taking a picture of Venus, yeah, you know, uh, Aja was like, you need to, you need to write down, begin to write down the story of what I've shared with you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, and it's not something I was really wanting to do because I felt I'm, I grew up Catholic. You, know, you don't, you don't, say something about the one of the most if not the most important figure in catholicism and in christianity that is not aligned with traditional teachings but i felt the incessant you know, it was just there you need to write this down start writing this down i was like okay and so i 
took a picture of Venus. I actually posted it that evening on Easter and um, I began to kind of put down bits and pieces in my notes. And then I, I was having a conversation with a friend one day and he asked me a question about Jesus. And I just started to go into the story of everything that I've learned over the last few years about what I've been given through the channeling sessions. And after that call, I wrote it all down. I put it all down on paper and I sat with it for a few weeks because I was like, I've got to put it, do video. I've got to create some art around this so people can kind of identify with this. And I didn't really do much after that. I kind of sat on it again for a few weeks. And then um, and then I, I felt the sudden urge to go ahead and work on it. And so I was like, okay. So I went ahead and worked on it. The last stage of it was because I got it over to my one of my um, my editing friend, and he went ahead and edited it down and everything. And then all I had to do was post it on Medium.com as an article. And I was like, okay, I'm going to post this up and post this up and post this up. And it took me again another few weeks to just push myself to post it. But I said, I'm going to go ahead and post it. I'm going to do it. Um, and then I finally got around to it. Finally got around to it. Not even thinking about when. Just. I sat down in the middle of the night and I ended up uploading it to medium.com on my birthday. And I didn't even realize <laughs> it was my birthday that morning, which was <laughs> May 6th. So mm-hmm. I uploaded this you, you know, article about this character and how it's very different from what we've been taught on that day, which is my birthday. And then later on in, the, in, the, in that day, I realized that that night what, there was going to be the full moon, which is, I guess was the flower moon or the blossom moon or something like that. It happened a few nights ago i'm I'm not too sure what the what the names are but yeah it was um full moon in libra yeah 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 and so and then and so i realized that there was also going to be a full moon that night and i was like oh there's a full moon i'm like okay well this is weird i'm like because of the timing of the first initial impression to begin working on this project and then Mm. the timing of when i actually uploaded it unintentionally uploaded it on my birthday and then there was a full moon that 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 evening or that night, and so what? What that was there any kind of significance to that, or would there be anything that would mean anything from that? I'll tell you, I'm looking at your chart right now, and and I'm, I've overlaid the transits over it, and it's fascinating to see that when you had that stroke of inspiration on Easter, there Venus in the sky, which inspired you was transiting over where your natal Mercury was or where Mercury was when you were born, as well as your ascendant, because you have Mercury in the first house. And so that's, um, and on the other hand, Mercury in the sky was in transit directly. And these are direct transits, believe it or not. This is, this is very profound. Mercury was transiting directly over your natal Venus in the sky. So they were actually influencing each other and mercury is about speech writing and communication Hmm. venus is about beauty beauty connection respect um and so basically you can see that you got that stroke of inspiration you got that um that desire that feeling that joy or pleasure to um to write to communicate to you know connect with um whoever, I guess for your case, this would be, Mm -hmm. you know, like guides, beings. And and then Mm -hmm. believe it or not, when you uploaded it, that on your birthday, um, the sun was obviously over your natal sun. That's what makes it a birthday in the sky. And the moon, you were actually born on the full moon in Libra. 
and the moon was directly over your natal moon. So this kind of returning sensation, this sense of like returning to your nature as a speaker, returning to your nature as a communicator was awakened then and as a teacher for sure as well, because your moon and Jupiter are conjunct as well. And so it, it kind of felt like this natural, uh, I would, I would say, I mean, just at just planetary wise, this, this, um, your inner nature kind of coming out, your inner nature being affirmed or, or kind of, I guess, exposed and shown to the world in this, in this beautiful Libra Aries S sort of way. Hmm. Well, and you know, the, the story, and I think I remember, I thought, cause I thought it was interesting that that happened. And I went online and looked up Venus. Cause I was like, well, what the heck, you know, what, well, first of all, what star is that? And I had to take out my, you know, little yeah. <laughs> app and like find what that star was. And it was, Venus. Yeah, and I thought, okay. Yeah. It's gorgeous here. And, mm-hmm. um, I looked up the significance of it and some people refer to it as like the morning star, or the evening mm-hmm. star, or and and then I think some people refer to Yeshua or or Jesus as I think it was the morning star or something like that. But then they also talked about the devil or Satan being also like the evening star. So there's some weird like correlation with the naming and the and the the Venus and the planet. And I thought, well, that's weird. But the story that I wrote was a human story about this character, which. Mm. You know, most people want to see it from this point of perspective that is is, is shared on the on Bible texts and so forth, where you know you have this miraculous being, you know, better than everybody here. Right, right. No, none of us are anything like this individual, and we never will be. And you know, you should you know pray that you don't ever go to hell. Like that's pretty much basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so the story I wrote was actually about a human character who went through a lot of very human struggles. Uh, he dealt with um, different types of emotional um, struggles, and he dealt with um, finding himself, figuring out who the hell he was, what the hell he was meant to do here, and how he was connected to everything. And so it's it, and it, it's brought down to a human level where he made very human mistakes, but he also brought about so much knowledge and awareness in ways because of those struggles. So it's almost like the struggles actually helped him to allow those that knowledge and that that awareness and enlightenment to kind of expand beyond himself to the people around him. And people always, we know they want to just like when they talk about Jesus in the desert before, you know, he was on the cross and he was talking to Satan or Satan was trying to tempt him. I'm like, Satan was Jesus. Like he was talking to himself. Like he, Mm. He was a dualistic personality. He's just like the rest of us. He was a human being who had both positive and negative attributes. And he had an d- inner demon as well as an inner angel. And so he was struggling with his own own shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. And so the story was about him being this dualistic being like we all are and having the same potential that we we share with him. So that was the, the story. And so it was weird with the, the whole planets and the whole, so I was like, what is oh, going yeah. on here? This is all weird. I didn't understand. And I was like, totally didn't know where to, where to go with all that. Oh, well, I'll tell you, Venus is, is that, um, is the planet it's, it's masculine sign is Libra, which is the balancing scales. There's the symbol of Libra and Venus mm. really does represent the, it's, it's all about equality and respect, but on a very human level. It's, um, you know, and Mercury, on the other hand, like I was saying, Venus going over your Mercury, Mercury, in Vedic astrology, we look at um, 
at these two planets is kind of on the human level. They're on the rajasic or energy exchange level where we're um, kind of learning how to deal with our relationships with other people, our relationships with ourself, with our, uh, you know, our, the polarity or the, the higher self and the ego, all of these kind of dualities and finding balance between them. So like to find that Venus being that planet, that planet where, you know, is it God? Is it Satan? Is it, what is it? You know, and it's the balance, the balancing act of life where we have to be, you know, alive in this form. We have to be here to learn these lessons, but also we're so far beyond this and we need to balance the fact that we know that we're here now. And that's what a lot of Saturn is about, like I've been saying, and that we're way beyond this, that we are one with everything. We're connected integrally in the whole. And I Mm -hmm. think Venus kind of brings that down to earth on a person to person level where, you know, if you don't have much respect for other people, you kind of tend to use other people and you Mm -hmm. think of them as objects and, you know, like objectifying people. Whereas Venus, the ultimate lesson of Venus is to realize that, you know, we're all holy together and we all deserve respect. Even people is, you know, distorted as, as our president. So it's, it's kind of, and it's hard to do that, you know, and it takes someone like the mentality of a Jesus like figure to be able to respect someone like our president. Right. But, um, it, you can see this, this balance and that, like what you're talking about and it definitely Venus is there. Mm. Well, for those of, for those listening who would like to have a one-on-one reading with you or a session with you where you'll go over their chart and kind of explain to them, um, what, what they can look look forward to or what they can try to avoid how do people find you um they can check me out on my website it's karmaastrology.com um i also am on instagram and my handle is karma astrology and you can feel free to send me an email get in contact me with me through either one of those channels and i'm happy to talk to you about you know what i can do and what services i can provide for for whoever needs it well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and you're going to be coming back, right? <laughs> oh, I, I would love to. This has been such a fun experience. It's really, well, really fun to talk to you. Well, we have an election coming up and I think now that, you know, people are going to say, oh my God, like he, he got, he had him on there and he didn't even tell him about the election. So you're going <laughs> to, you're, you're going to look into this, right? And you're going to post it on I your will. social media. Okay. Because I, I want people to head over to your social media after they listen to this to see what you had to say about what we can expect or what it looks like for the upcoming election. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm happy to, to do a little expose on it. Awesome. Well, (laughs) everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, you're listening to Frenny Unfiltered. And uh, we will see you next time.